Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. Ask any year-round camp professional, and they'll tell you that Organization and accountability rank mighty high on the list of requirements. In fact, they'll probably tell you that these two aspects of the role rank just below what's most essential, the relationships that we build with our camp families and our staff. My guest around the campfire tonight can speak to all of these ideas. Diana Bloom uh, followed her soon-to-be husband into camp as a unit head. She created a thriving accountability and effectiveness consulting practice and has come full circle back to camp as the head counselor at URJ Camp Coleman. And when you listen this afternoon or tonight, whenever you're listening, I'll share a little small world moment that I have with Camp Coleman and their very great camp director, Bobby Harris. I've been working with and learning from camp consultants and professionals for about two decades. And I can tell you, Diana is the real deal. She combines real world knowledge, logic, a lot of humor, a lot of wisdom, and caring in all the right ways. Now with COVID-19 changing so much of our daily routines, home and work lives have literally crashed together for so many of us. Diana offers some great advice to parents and educators and workers on how they can integrate the two and keep things running smoothly. I hope you'll enjoy this campfire conversation with the very fun and very smart Diana Bloom. Diana Bloom is so happy to have you uh, around the campfire. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it. So I, I, the last big conference that we went to before all this thing got nuts here with, with coronavirus and COVID was the American Tri-State, sorry, American Camp Association Tri-State Conference. Um, and I had never met you. I had never, frankly, even heard your name. Um, and then when Adam Baker, who's a very good friend in camping, stood up and said, I have been working with Diana and our team. We have so much better because of her. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to I'm going to have to pay attention here because I really respect Adam quite a bit. And then all of a sudden you started speaking. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, I'm in. Um, how did you get involved in, in all this and in, in camping? Uh, okay, the origin story. Um, <laughs> so, well, in camping, I grew up I grew up on Long Island. I grew up going to sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in college, I met my now husband at mm-hmm. this student college conference in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, he was, is from Tampa, Florida, and was working as a unit head in the summers at URJ Camp Coleman. So when I, w- I was living in New York, he was in Tampa um, at USF. And so in our long distance relationship that started that weekend, um, he asked boss if um, there was a job for his girlfriend, basically, so that we could at least be together in the summer. So, my first summer at URJ Camp Coleman was in 1994, mm-hmm. 
Um, and so that's how I got introduced to camp and uh, as a staff person. Um, and I was at Coleman for a few summers as a unit head. Yeah. Um, and then my husband, I got married in 1997, decided it was time to like, you know, grow up and perhaps don't work at camp, you know? <laughs> um, so that was that. Okay. So then fast forward, I'm working as an accountability consultant um, mm-hmm. in a corporate world. And um, I think this was in 2009, 2009. And I was on a flight um, from wherever I was, I think I was in New Jersey and I had to connect to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the gate at Newark, I see my bo- my old camp director, boss. Come on. Yeah, uh, Bobby Harris, sitting, waiting for the same flight that I'm waiting for to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so he changes his seat. So we sit together and he asks me about what I'm doing. And I don't think he was really that surprised because even when I was at camp, I was the like, accountability. Like when it, <laughs> I was that person. I mean, they had a nickname for me. Uh, it was like a Yiddish nickname of, it was like Miss Bitter because I always walked around camp, like looking irritated, <laughs> um, which is not the normal like camp personality, right? Sure. Like usually. So, but I was like this, like, Oh, this isn't getting done. This isn't getting done. And this person, you know, <laughs> and people were like, your, your expectations are a little high for camp. And, <laughs> And this was like camp in the early nineties where it was a different time, right? Right. Like I think camp has now camping has now kind of reached my expectations of what I thought camp should be back then Um, in terms of staff and accountability. It was just a different time, you know? Um, Anyway, so we're talking and I'm telling him about this work that I do. And he, uh, he says like, Hey, can you do your training for our leadership team during leadership week? Mm-hmm. I thought it, and I was like, yeah, I can probably, you know, convert this corporate thing, um, to a camp setting. So I went to camp that summer in May of 2009 to do this training. And it was interesting because actually this is very, uh, it's interesting the way my summers at camp have been bookended because in 09, Bobby really wanted me to come to be at camp and I already had plans and I couldn't do it and whatever. And then camp ended up not opening because of the swine flu. We, you are Jay Coleman was closed for the first session because of the swine flu. So it's very interesting, you know, that I came to camp. So anyway, he said, will you, well, okay, will you consider it for 2010? Uh, And I said, yes. So in 2010, I went back to camp with my five-year-old, six-year-old twins. and I was a unit head again for the same unit that I had had back in my last summer was 1997. Yeah. Um, and so, so then I was at the camp and I went to Tri-State as in my role as head counselor, mm-hmm. which is the role that I created for myself. After one year of being a unit head, I kind of saw this space that I thought needed filling Um, and so I presented it as, you know, Hey, this is what I think camp needs. And I think you should give me this position. So that, so I basically became the supervisor of the unit heads, um, functioning a little bit like a, I would say an assistant director in the summer, you know, so I went to tri-state as a participant, you know, as an, just to attend. Mm -hmm. And as I was sitting there going through the sessions, I thought I could present here, right? Like there's a, the opportunity, like productivity and efficiency and systems and holding people accountable. And, um, you know, 
I, I think there's a space here at camp because I do believe that my work is universally applicable. A hundred percent. You know, I, yes. I, I, I'm confronted a lot with this um, organizational uniqueness barrier that people feel like, oh yeah, Diana, that's good stuff over there, mm-hmm. but here's why it wouldn't work for our Okay, you know, or our organization or whatever. And I really strongly uh, disbelieve that. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, and I think that's where Adam saw me. I think it was in that first one, you know, and I just sort of using, working my networks and mm-hmm. um, we're a Jewish camp. So a reformed mm-hmm. Jewish camp. So mm-hmm. we get a lot of faculty, clergy, educators that come through there and rabbis started to hire me for their synagogues and, um, you know, uh, educators started to hire me for that. And I slowly started moving into this, you know, not non-traditional, I guess, as a corporate trainer. Um, and yeah, it's really taken off. I'd say, I mean, camp, I do other things, but camp is a real niche um, space for me and tri-states welcomes me back every year. And I love it. Yeah. That's kind of how I ended up. I, I have to just tell you one small world experience. So my first summer at Camp Aquaic was summer 2009. And I got oh. there. Yeah. So, and I'd been in camping for a number of years, but the, the first summer, literally, I, I remember sitting in the office late one night and camp at that point had, was kind of dying on the vine. And, um, you know, Kate and I were, were help, tasked to come in and, and bring it back up. Well, I get this phone call from uh, this guy, or sorry, from this, this family who was supposed to be at Camp Coleman. And they said, we just heard camp is closed. Do you have space available? And I was like, well, let me check. See if, let me check the bunk list. I'm not sure. And of course, I mean, I had 150 openings. Like, you know, I was like, oh, sure, let me check. So we wound up getting 12 kids that were supposed to be at Coleman that summer came to Aquaic. And I remember calling Bobby and saying, Bobby, you don't know me. I'm Cole Kelly from Athens, Georgia, blah, blah, blah. This family called me. They're your families. I'm happy to take them for the summer, but after the summer, I'm not going to recruit them. I imagine they'll go back to Coleman, you know, so whatever you need. And he was so incredibly gracious and wonderful to work with that I've, I've always had a soft place in my, my heart for, for Coleman and for him because of that and the way he handled that experience. Oh, that's such a good story. And yeah, I'm sure he was so grateful. As you can imagine, it was such a crazy oh my gosh. time. Yeah. And 2010 was very, you know, kind of nail biting to see who would come back. and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. I know yeah, many, many of us have soft places in our hearts for Bobby Harris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so I'm intrigued with this accountability and efficiency work that you do because my wife, um, while that's not her area, that's absolutely what she does at camp. And I think that the, the secret of our camp experience, whether it had been at our girls camp that we ran or, or this co-ed camp that we're running is that people see me in the front line. Um, but it's really Kate's efficiency and accountability and, logistical systems and everything else that makes it run really, really well. So how did, tell, tell me what does it mean to be what, do what you do and, and how did you get into it? Um, okay. So, uh, um, well, how I got into it is another weird little story, which is that um, I would say my whole, since my late teens, I've um, always been in the space of working with people to change behavior. Okay. That's kind of always been in my space. So in college, I was an HIV and AIDS peer educator mm-hmm. at a time where HIV was a death Big sentence. Deal. Yes. Um, and asking people to change behavior, which is really, really intimate identifying behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I've always been kind of that uh, uh, informal educator going to the fraternities and the sororities and trying to use humor mm-hmm. to get to talk about really uncomfortable things. And that kind of, uh, I always was in that place. Um, and then in graduate school, I also worked as a Weight Watchers leader, okay. which is, again, that informal education, mm-hmm. talking about hard things, at work, helping people achieve goals that feel really you know, insurmountable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in, uh, so that was like kind of a side gig uh, when I was in graduate school. And when I moved to Tampa, I, I continued working for Weight Watchers at part-time. And it was in a Weight Watchers meeting that I had a gentleman in my meeting, was a guy by the name of Mike Scott, and he came up to me and he said, I'm an accountability consultant and trainer. I have more business that I can handle. I love your style. I want you to come work for me. It was like basically uh-huh. like that. Um, and then, you know, there was a lot of me avoiding him and thinking like, hey, <laughs> like you're weird and I don't like, who are you? And then he came to my meeting another time, but with his wife this time to kind of show me like, I'm not okay. creepy. I'm not yep. creepy. I really want to hire you, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and it totally brought together so much of my life because I've always, I've always been accountable. I've always been responsible. I've always been the one to like, if you want it done, you know, kind of ask Diana and, um, this ability to bring it to other people and bring humor and get to know people and work and overcoming challenges. So that's the origin. That's how I got here in terms Mm -hmm. of the work. It was through Mike. Yeah. Um, and now I work up, uh, on my own because I'm in a totally different space than, than he is. You know, he's still in that corporate mm-hmm. place. Okay. So that's that story. Um, in terms of what it means, uh, you know, I, I, here's the thing. I think sometimes we're too smart for our own good. Okay. Yeah. And if we struggle with organization or, um, task management or prioritization or kind of strategic thinking, if we struggle with that, we think that the solution to that must be hard mm-hmm. and complicated because right. if it wasn't hard or complicated, we could do it, right? Because we're smart people. So we, 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 I think a lot of times we create a story that creating the appropriate systems and processes are, must be very difficult because mm-hmm. if it wasn't difficult, we could do it. And so then people start to create systems of organization that are actually really hard to maintain Mm-hmm. And, and they make staying organized its own separate project. And then you can't totally. make, right? And it's like, <laughs> yes. oh, but I have a, I have five different clipboards and this right, clipboard exactly. is this. And then I have three binders and four highlighters and this post-it note color and that post-it note. Yep. And it's like, and then your head wants to explode and then you can't maintain it. And then you just go back to your survival systems that you oh, had yeah. before, I mean, right? Just trying to maintain it, it becomes a chore. Like, why do I want to try to maintain this? Right, exactly. Okay, so my work is about making it really simple, which is why sometimes people discount me, right? Because I'm like, you need one piece of paper, <laughs> you know, and, and a pen, you know? And, you know, my three basic things are write it down, repeat it back, and give, give and get deadlines. Yep, and yep. it's like no, Diana, that can't be it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? it is. Well, but you know, one of the, <laughs> the sessions that I went to with you, um, you said some really simple, and, and it was a great kind of clarifying set of questions. What do I want? Why do I want it? And what am I willing to do to get it? It's yeah. like, oh, oh, okay. 
that, but it's amazing how, like you said, we're too smart for our own good. Our mind goes in a thousand places, but yet if you simply focus on those three simple questions, you, you answer a lot for yourself and, and you get away, you, you move a lot of the detrius away and get to what's really most important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you appreciated those questions. I, I ask those a lot. You know, I ask them of other people. I ask them of myself, mm. you know, all the time. And um, for me, it's, it reminds me of, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, Good to Great. Yes. Uh, by Jim Collins. I, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, more, I think more camp, camp people should read that book. Um, and he talks about that hedgehog principle, you know, yes. like the fox is really slick and has lots of different strategies. And the hedgehog has like one strategy. <laughs> like right. I feel threatened and I just roll myself up into a ball. And I, and I think we need to, what you're saying is get rid of all that other stuff and kind of focus and say, okay, like what's my one hedgehog thing. Right. And at camp, in camping, I think we try to be sometimes too many things to do many people mm-hmm. as opposed to just asking ourselves like, okay, what is my camp offer? Right. What is, right. what is my camp? There will be people out there that want what my camp has to offer mm-hmm. and not trying to be everybody's camp. That's why right. we have lots of camps, <laughs> you know, yep. you can't be everybody's camp. So, but, you know, but, yeah. It, it's interesting to me you say that because in this time that we're, we're, we're recording this during the middle of the, the, the COVID outbreak in the United States, um, and there's a lot of soul searching, I think, going on throughout the, the, all industries in, in the United States and certainly within the, the camp industry. But one thing that in talking with a dump, ton of different camp directors and camp professionals, it seems like their hedgehog, when you rip it all away, is take care of the relationships with your families. You know, it's, it's, that's the thing. If, if we as, as a profession simply worry about the relationships we have with our, our families, then odds are we're going to be okay. I totally agree with you. And I think I actually said this when in that kind of 10 minute thing that I did in that first meeting when, where we mm-hmm. met, which is that when you boil it down, our product is relationships, Yep. right? That that's the bottom line, which is why for me, the accountability piece of the work that I do is the, is the crucial piece. Like, yes, I want us to be more productive and I'd like us to be more efficient because I think mm-hmm. we would be less stressed. You know, all of that is true, but why productivity and efficiency as a tool to bridge the gap between our intention and our action, mm-hmm. right? because that's where we're judged. Our parents and our families, they don't know what we're intending to do. Right. Oh, that we're intending to communicate and we're intending to send out that email about, finances or refunds or, you know, whatever it is that they're worrying about. Sure. We're, we're being judged on whether or not we get that email out, you know, and we're being judged on whether or not if we say we're going to get back to you by the end of the week, right, that we do that. Yep. Um, and it feels sometimes small when we're dealing with staffing and J-1 visas and, mm-hmm. you know, all those big things, but it's not small to that family that we said, oh, I'll get back to you by the end of the week. Well, if you right. don't have a system to get back to them, to remember that that's what you've said, right? And a system that reminds you on Thursday that, hey, you told them by Friday and it's Thursday. You don't Mm -hmm. have that system. Then I think we can lose our families that way, you know, because I, if you can't do a small thing, it makes you incredible. And when I say incredible, I don't mean like, wow, you're (laughs) incredible. I mean, you're not credible. If you can't do this one small thing, the same way that I say to the counselors, if if that camper says, I left my bathing suit at the pool and you say to them, I'll get it for you, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll get that bathing suit back to you by the end of the day and you counselor don't do that, that kid's not going to forget that, you, that you're not credible. Yep. You know? And so for me, it's the little things 
we can't do any big things if we don't have those little things. And the more so now, because now we're trying to do those little things and we've got our kids our, <laughs> you know, and our partner and, you know, other people and it feels crazy. Um, but we can't lose track of the little things because that's where we build that relationship. That's what our families are going to remember. Absolutely. That we, that we did what we said we would do. Yeah. How do we do that in this time? So, you know, when you say you know, we have our, our entire families now in our apartment or in our house or wherever you know you find yourself for a very long stretches of time, and most of us are still trying to work from home or trying to be productive. Our kids are still trying to learn. How, from from your standpoint as as a mom, as as a consultant, and as a professional camp person, you know who manages a lot of people. Um, what kind of advice would you give to people in that light to kind of keep things going in their homes? Um, well, the first thing I'll say is what the first piece of advice is a piece of advice that I've been given. I've been giving this out for years and I think mm, maybe somebody now people are going to be like, Oh yeah, you know what? What she said made sense. <laughs> um, because one of the very first things that I say is that I believe we should keep our, all of our tasks, all of our to do's in only one place. Mm-hmm. And, that our business and our personal should live in that same place. Mm. And people, a lot of people are like, whoa, you know, they get their backs up about it because they'll say to me, but Diana, you know, work-life balance, you know? <laughs> and um, I, what I say to them is, no, work-life integration. I have a life and in yeah. that life I work, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's even more obvious now, but it was obvious to me before. If you think about the kinds of personal tasks like, remember when we went to an office, you know, we all, you know, remember way back when we all like left the house during the day. Um, but if I have to call the vet, okay, let's say I have to call the vet. If I don't have call the vet on the list that I'm glancing at all day long at work, mm-hmm. I won't call the vet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to get home after hours. I mean, get home. Right. Um, and the vet's closed. So I've always said that we need to keep our business and our personal to-dos on one list. And that's the list we look at every day. And all the more so now, right? Because it's so confusing now. Like what is business? What is personal? Like, so if you have, if you are somebody who has two lists, like my first piece of advice would combine it, you know, (laughs) this is real. And some of us aren't working until night because- We, we can't work during the day because we've got small children at home during the day or mm-hmm. we just don't have any peace and quiet or whatever. So that's my, the first thing that I would say. And the other piece of advice that I've always given and I give now is um, I, I call it going to the spa. I don't know if you were in that session, but it's- Yes, um, absolutely. I love yeah. it. Yes, it's, success planning appointment. The success planning appointment, right? To be clear, it's not the spa where you pay people to touch you, <laughs> um, right? Because even if you found that relaxing in a previous life, that would not be relaxing now, okay? No. So it's a different spa, the success planning appointment where, and, and if, you, if you are somebody that has done this for your work life, and if you've done this for yourself as an individual, now it's time to do it with the whole family, right? Which is- where you spend a little bit of time, 10, 15 minutes at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and you look at, okay, what did I get done today? What didn't I get done today? Not so you can feel bad, but so you can pivot and triage, you know? And then you need to figure out, okay, tomorrow, when are these things going to happen? And while I was, I did this for myself, now I have to do it with my family because I have to understand that um, my, 
you know, if this person's on a call, maybe I can't be on a call. Or if my son wants to be on the treadmill at that time, right, then my daughter can't be on the treadmill at that time Mm -hmm. or whatever. We need to all sit down and look at our calendar, look at our schedules, especially with all this virtual learning, right? If this one has a live AP review, then they need to be, they need some peace and quiet. And that one can't be on the PlayStation or, you know, whatever's happening in your life. Um, and if you're getting your shipped order delivered, well, who's going to answer the door, you know, because I'm going to call and you're on a call, whatever. So spending a little bit of time at the end, you know, and I wouldn't wait till tomorrow. Meaning I do believe that the best time to plan for tomorrow is today Mm -hmm. because if you wait for tomorrow, it's already started. Right. Too many things going on. You're, you're behind now. So I think I would say that's a key piece of staying sane and staying on top of things is sitting down with the whole family and kind of building out a schedule and who has what tasks to accomplish and what does that mean for the other people. Yeah. And I love the fact that in that conversation, you talked about five different pieces. And one of the things that came up was check tomorrow's calendar and it's not a wish list. It's, it's what you actually have to do. Yes. Right. Because if you're not looking at the calendar, then how do you know you can get it done? Right. You know? So yeah, it's not, make sure that what you've got on your list is a to-do list and not a wish list. And yeah. I always say start with a verb because that helps you know that it's a to-do and not well, a wish. And, yeah. And that's something I want to talk to you about that the, the language you use is so important. You know, the idea of work-life balance. Well, no, it's more a function of life is happening and it's work and home balance. Maybe um, you talk about the need for verbs as, as being something that gets you going for your action rather than setting noun as goals. It, they have to be verbs like do this, you know, call the, whoever it is, mow the grass, what, whatever you have to be, it has to be something that's an action. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so different to write yard <laughs> right or lawn, right? As opposed to like mow, you know. Right. But, oh, but because yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think recognizing how much of what we have to do aren't actually tasks but projects. Mm. Most of what we do is a project. So, so you know, I'll look at when I I do a lot of executive coaching, and I'll be looking at somebody. You know, we screen share, and I'll look at their Outlook tasks, so their mm-hmm. you know Asana tasks, and it'll say something like um, discuss, you know discuss with Cole, you know? Right. And um, that's not what you mean. You mean email Cole to set up a meeting. Right. You know, schedule time with Cole. You don't mean discuss with Cole. How are you going to discuss it with him? You don't, you need to set up a time to talk to him first, right? Um, And so, and those, I think if people look at their to-do list, they'll see the things that every day get skipped over. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're generally the ones that are the noun <laughs> because they <laughs> haven't even, you know, they haven't acknowledged like, what does it mean? Uh, even, you know, I'll take a homebound one cause we're all at home now, but like laundry, right? right? Well, you don't do laundry. You put the stuff in the washer, then you move it to the dryer, right? Then yeah. you take it out, then you fold it, then you put it away. Right. Right. So, um, we need to think of all of the art to do's in that way because otherwise every day and it's draining. See completion creates energy. Mm. Completion creates energy. And I think right now we have days of just feeling drained. And even though weirdly we don't have a commute, you know, we don't have a lot of things <laughs> that we, that would drain us necessarily, but we're drained because at the end of the day, we're looking at a list and nothing got checked off. Right. Um, and so we don't have that completion to energize us. So the more we break things down, the more opportunities we're giving ourselves to check things off 
And don't mm-hmm. discount how energizing crossing something off a list can feel, you know? Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny. I, I got back from Tri-State and, and all of this really kind of, you know, hit the fan, if, if you will. And I, I remember being overwhelmed that first morning. And I remember looking at my desk and I had all the stuff I had from Tri-State sitting at my desk, all the books I had left here afterwards. And I thought to myself, all right, just clean your office. Just just go ahead and clean your office. And it was amazing how much better I felt having done just that one task. Like, okay, now I feel organized. Now I can get going. Like I, I got it now, but you're right. It does. Completion does create energy. Uh, it helps you move forward. Yeah. 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 So, the, and the smaller you make your work, meaning the more I always say create sand instead of rocks, mm-hmm. because you can always fit sand in among the rocks, but yes. you can't fit another rock, you know, in, if your day was a jar, yep. you, you can only fit so many rocks. So you need to create sands. But even if you get 10 little pieces of sand done, that's 10 little pieces of sand, you know, right. that yep. you've completed. So especially in our days now where we're working with our own rocks and mm-hmm. then everybody else in our family has you know, and, and we get pulled away. Like even I have teenagers, you would think, but it's like, mom, I, you know, where's this? Or mom, I can't log in or mom, you know. So if you set, if you think you're going to have an hour of uninterrupted time, you're lying to (laughs) Totally. Well, it's funny. (laughs) You talk about laundry. We said, all right, boys, we need to learn how to do your laundry. And they're really good at putting it in the the washer and then walking away. Like, no, 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 no. It's the next step. And then the next step. So just like you said, we've been very clear about the the steps you have to take in order to actually do laundry start to finish. And yeah, like, oh, I've got, oh, okay. You know, they're happy to do it. They just need to know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you write out all those steps and like my one of my steps is set your timer right because right? you're, oh, yeah. you're gonna walk away and you're not gonna hear that it's done <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're gonna be off doing yeah. other things so one of the things i wanted just to pick your brain just one last little bit as, as the yeah, starts to, to die down here what what are some of the things that you wish you saw more of the things i guess mm-hmm. that, you, that you see at camp um and what Chris Thurber says, the other world, it's not the real world. It's just, you know, the, the outside of camp world. What do you wish we would do more in the outside world that we do in the camp world? Um, I think it probably goes back to what I said earlier about our ultimate product, which is relationships and mm-hmm. trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that at camp, you know, camp feels kind of unstructured. And I mean, the campers think it is, you know, freedom. There's a lot of freedom and, you know, and you know, they don't understand that it's a very intentional curated experience for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we're doing camp right, our kids get rituals. Mm-hmm. They act, they get structure, right? I mean, really, if you think about it, I think camp is more structured than the other world. It is. Um, totally agree. You know, parents don't realize that. They're like, oh, I want them to take a riddle in vacation. You know, and you're like, um, no, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea because camp is more structured than right. your home, you know. Um, but what I, what I noticed, what I noticed from our campers and, you know, my own kids who grew up there is that, um, camp is an opportunity to learn how to do conflict resolution and build trust and assume best intentions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that, you know, kids who grow up in camp, they're able to come out of camp and they're able to have actual conflict you know, conversations with their peers Mm -hmm. and resolve conflict and assume best intentions. And, you know, if they think they've misunderstood something, they know how to ask and say, Hey, I heard you say this. Is that what you meant? And where I see kids who don't grow up at camp or adults, you know, who don't have camp, um, especially with everything being 
digital and virtual and texting and um, the chatting and the group chatting where so many stories can be created and nobody's, nobody's assuming best intentions mm-hmm. um, and um, people aren't comfortable really with conflict resolution where, you know, at camp, if there's a conflict in the cabin, well, you're 12 kids living in this cabin. We can't just not speak. And right. so, right. And so the counselors <laughs> sit everybody down and say, okay, you know, let's talk about that. And um, so I, I think, you know, of all the things, I think I wish we had more of that at camp because if everybody could assume best intentions and if everybody could actually talk out what they mm-hmm. you know, talk about their conflicts um, without assumptions, which I think our kids learn that really well at camp if we're doing it right. Um, and that there's a lot more intentionality at camp. Things are more curated at camp. Um, so I kind of, yeah, I think that's what I think would be great because I see these moms struggling with their teenage kids and mm-hmm. the fighting and the backstabbing and the this. And I'm like, Oh, just send them to camp, you know? <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. Well, we'll take care of them. <laughs> In some ways, you know, those, those near peer counselors that, that we do so much training of, um, you know, we, we create the heck out of, of that population. We, we, pick those people intentionally because we feel like they're going to create that safe and wonderful and intentional experience in the bunk. And then we spend multiple days training them how to do that. Um, it wouldn't be nice if we trained a whole cadre of people like that here, you know, in the United States and say, okay, I need a counselor right now. Come here. I, I need to talk this through. I need some help working this out. And like you said, assuming best intentions and then communicating in a way that actually people are going to be heard and listened to um, and feel that way. Then I think we can go forward a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And we trust when we get the feedback or we get, you know, it's, I know you care about me and I trust you mm-hmm. and I can listen to you, you know, mm-hmm. sort of in the Kim Scott radical candor way. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, lacking at camp. And then I think camp gives, you know, a lot of other my, meaning my kids have other people to talk to mm-hmm. or other adults that they can go to. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just mom and dad, especially now, you know? So, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I wish everybody could just go to camp. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, yeah. Diana, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you or, or, you know, employ you to help them become more efficient, more accountable, better communicators, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, Email is always great, Diana at totallyaccountable.com. <laughs> that's and easy to remember. <laughs> that's easy, right? And that's a little added pressure for me. <laughs> uh, you, can't, you can't ghost on your email when that's your email address. <laughs> yep. Um, and then if they just want to kind of see something a little bit about me on uh, Instagram, totally Diana B at totally Diana B. So that gives them a little insight into my uh my teachings and a little bit my sense of humor <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, it has been, it's been so much fun getting to know you a bit and I'm, I'm excited to follow and, and learn, see how we can become more accountable um, just in our own world um, and then see how you help all those people uh, do it even better because Lord knows that, you know, whether it be a church or a nonprofit or um, an executive director or a camp, we all need to be better at this because it'll, it'll make for better relationships, which is the whole point. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's all about the relationships. Awesome. Diana, thank you so much for being with the campfire. Thanks. Thanks for spending time with me. I'm so grateful to Diana for taking the time to speak with me and how generously she shares her knowledge and experience. The idea of keeping things simple, of focusing on relationships and assuming best intentions when working with others is wonderful advice. 
The need to break down a project, like doing laundry for instance, into specific tasks is a really important idea, especially when we're teaching someone else with very little experience. As adults, we've done the laundry or cleaned the dishes or cooked a meal so many times that it's become almost automatic rather than a project with very specific steps. The same thing goes if you're a teacher or if you're um, a camp professional and trying to train somebody up. You really have to do a good job of breaking them down to specific action steps so that the overall project can be taught and completed correctly and with fun. Now that we're spending so much time at home and hopefully teaching our kids some of these new skills, it's important that we do break down these projects into the action steps and teach each one with patience and a little bit of humor if possible. I love the idea that completion creates energy. I'm a total checklist guy, and having been, having been using my Rocketbook and Outlook calendar for the last several years, it really does help me keep my tasks and due dates up and running. Crossing something off the list is a great feeling, and one that leaves me thinking what's next with a little bit of enthusiasm rather than with a little bit of dread. One last thought from my conversation with Diana that I wanted to share. Over and over, Diana made me think that timing and preparation is everything. She got to camp because of her then boyfriend and there would happen to be a spot available. She made a big step into the corporate world by providing great help to the right person at the right time in a totally different context. Dinah got back into camp because she and the camp director at Camp Coleman happened to be on the same flight from Newark to Atlanta and reconnected. In each of these situations, she was prepared to take advantage of the opportunities that showed up. Growing up for myself, I never thought I'd become a summer camp director. I didn't even know it was a thing, to be honest. First, I thought about being a minister after doing my religious studies undergraduate degree. Then I thought I was going to be a college golf coach after getting a master's in sports psychology. Next, it was off to my MBA, and I thought I'd be an organizational development consultant. But then I met Kate, and I get introduced to camp. And let's be very honest here. Camp hired Kate 18 years ago, and I got to tag along. However, without even knowing it, my past had perfectly prepared me to take the role of summer camp director, the most favorite professional job ever, and the opportunity showed up, and I happened to be ready. So in this odd time in which we're living, let's keep preparing. You never know how what you've learned will be put to work making your life and the lives of those around you better. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a review on whichever service you're using. The more positive reviews help these ideas spread. Our campfire circle is big enough for everyone, and I hope you'll invite a friend next time. Until we speak again, I hope you'll connect socially at a distance with good friends and good family while remaining patient, healthy, and hopeful. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.